0: And I know I know that you're going to disagree with me on this. Mm. To me, this is not America. It's a it's a it's a it's a sad. Oh no, it's
1: definitely America.
0: Well, see, but it's it's not what we can be. It's not what we have been. We're the greatest nation in history of the world, and we haven't achieved that on the basis of. For who though, Russ? I I think I think that. I think it's easy for you
1: to say because you're you're a white male and that comes with a different level of privilege. And I do think America does work, but it works for the people that it was designed to work for. It doesn't
0: work for everybody else the way it works for you. Well, it can. That's the point of America. It can for anybody who wants to adapt to it, for anybody who wants to try to take advantage of the unique opportunities that exists in the United States. We're the only nation that's ever enshrined the concept of individual liberty and freedom in our founding documents. We're the only country that's ever created a document to govern ourselves by that limits government. Now, uh, it, it it's you know I've look. Gang, well, Russ, I let I can't me jump say in for a I second though.
1: This- but okay. George Floyd wasn't doing anything wrong. Brianna Taylor got killed in her house. She wasn't doing anything wrong. And so it's not that people haven't adapted to things. It's just that we get targeted. and then there's no punishment when the police officers commit these crimes against us.
0: No, no, and they will, I, when we I, talk I, I about it. I, I didn't mean to conflate that George Floyd could have stopped what was going to happen to him. I don't misunderstand. <laughs> okay. there, George Floyd is the essence of innocence. What, but but what I'm saying is is that America is a place with robust opportunity if you want to go out and look for it and find it. Now, the people ripping up the streets today and last night... The Antifa types, they don't care to find the out. They disagree with the whole construct of America. Well, well,
1: no, I got to push back on you with that, too. It's not just the Antifa types. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you see all these white folks out there protesting, looting, raising hell. You know what I'm saying? Let's not act like there isn't 40 million people who have filed for unemployment in America. Folks been sitting around the last three months waiting on stimulus checks, more than 44 percent of those people have been denied. Unemployment checks are still waiting on them to come. People of all races are broke. They don't know where their next meal well, is coming yeah. from. Their savings are exhausted. If they had any, they don't know how they're going to pay bills. So, of course, they're going right. to go out there and loot. Of course, they're angry and frustrated. Unnecessarily, and they have a right it turns
0: out. Unnecessarily. There's no reason to shut down the country. There was no reason to lock everybody. Of course, you put 40 million people out of work and tell them you, know, you, you, you penalize them when they do try to open their businesses. You're going to create a powder keg. A powder keg has yeah. been created but that's m- right g- that's m- why i
1: can't that's why i can't that's why i can't allow you to say that it's just antifa out
0: there because it is a lot of white people who are fed well up but the with antifa people and, are, and and look, and look 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 the antifa people are the violent ones the antifa people are the ones that are trying to capitalize on it there's of course there's some legitimate heartfelt people out there <sighs> peacefully protesting but look you guys let me tell you you are a testament to the opportunity available in america look at you how did you do it? What did you have to overcome to become the Breakfast Club, and what did you have to overcome become dominant in Morning Drive and American radio? Who held you back, or what were you able to overcome in order to do it? The opportunity is there. Is the only thing I'm saying. Right, but you know, That's you talk resume. about peacefully. You, you talk about peacefully protest, right? And you were very opinionated.
2: All right. Well, this is Culture and Convictions, <laughs> yes, and it is. Rush Limbaugh <clears throat> was on The Breakfast Club.
3: <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, ain't that something? That's
2: amazing. Ain't that it's something? It's actually quite amazing to me. It
3: is amazing. If there is anything good that is coming out of all that we are dealing with and going through in this time, it is the fact that people are starting to intersect that... Um, need to actually.
2: I think so. I
3: think these are meaningful conversation conversations across the aisle across the the aisle ideologically that need to happen.
2: Yeah, because it, it takes it takes away you know when when there's not when there's not any interaction, right? When there's when there's radio silence, mm-hmm. people there's room for assumptions
3: all the time. So I'm
2: sure the audience uh, for the Breakfast Club is thinking why they got Rush Limbaugh on there, yeah, and you know, and of course people know what they know of of Rush, probably not from listening to his program,
0: never, but probably
2: <laughs> just simply from <laughs> from hearing other people disparage or or try to question you know Rush's point of view. But I but I thought it was interesting to to hear him on the show, and I certainly applaud both sides for wanting to um for no wanting doubt. to have that because no obviously it, it takes both of them. But I just want to quickly reiterate something that rush was talking about which is you know that america gives you the opportunity right Mm -hmm. and that we we don't want that to be lost with all of the protests with all the rioting let let that not be lost on us that america gives us the opportunity it doesn't guarantee the outcome
3: Mm -hmm. That's so so
2: we certainly can't go out and riot for outcomes
3: no you can't do that
2: right But we can we can certainly be thankful and grateful for opportunities, which which people around the globe would would love to have
3: love to have. Man, I tell you, uh, I want to go back uh, to what you you talked about with Rush and the Breakfast Club meeting, because I I don't think this that doesn't need to be missed. Right. Because the people who listen to Rush probably don't uh, a good a good portion of them don't listen to the Breakfast Club and a good portion of the people who listen to the breakfast club and the followers thereof do not follow Rush Limbaugh and to have both of them bring their not only viewpoints but those who who follow them
2: yeah their audiences yeah. and
3: their audiences right to bring them all together and for everybody to kind of sit down at that table and have that conversation i would like to see more of that because see that to me harkens back to the day when you had uh people getting on when you had a Milton Friedman and and a Thomas Sowell sitting across from a Francis Fox Piven right right? right. and you had you had these debates between the left and the right between people who had opposing uh, opposing viewpoints and people were able to sit in the same room and not demonize disparage one another but they were actually able to communicate those ideas and and lay them out there in a very intelligent and respectful manner Mm -hmm respectful and intelligent discourse and or disagreement has got to return Amen. in this nation or we're going to lose a whole lot of good. Amen. Because people have gotten to the point now where they are so thin skinned. I mean like like paper, right? That they cannot tolerate being disagreed with. They can't tolerate being told that 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 I don't see it your way. And so every time someone does They meet every opposing view with a wall. Yes. When in reality if you have something you say is so important to you to believe and espouse and preach and proclaim then you should be willing to be able to answer the questions or the cross examination of it.
2: Articulate it. Right. Stand your ground in it.
3: If it means anything to you. Correct. You should be able to tolerate an opposing view because number one you want to find out if what you're believing is even solid. Mm -hmm. Right. How do I know something solid if I don't subject it to test right. if i don't subject it to a counter uh, uh, argument and so I, I just like that i like to see more of that and i'd like to see more of it done and i believe at the end of that actual interview interview uh rush limbaugh actually even offered to come back and wanted to be a part of it again right because it is an ongoing conversation that needs to take place and it and it, and it also it calls you on the carpet about what you're talking about Because sometimes... We believe what we believe because we've kind of isolated ourselves to only expose ourselves to what agrees with our assumptions. I,
2: we've lived in an echo chamber. Oh yeah,
3: and we live in that echo chamber. We don't want to come out of it. We want to stay in here. <laughs> let safe me, in here. Let me stay in here. <laughs> but I love it when people are, are stretching across the bounds of the ideological divide and Rush is reaching out and Breakfast Club is reaching out and saying, "Let's sit down and let's talk like like human beings, like civilized people."
2: Yeah, and I and I love the fact that you know. Of course, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and try to act like I'm not a fan. I listen to Rush a lot. So yes, you do. So, so I, <laughs> so I would. You know, I was wouldn't like. Really, yeah, he's on breakfast. Club. I wouldn't
3: even know a whole lot about Rush Limbaugh if it were not for marrying you. And that is the honest truth.
2: Yeah, Rush is the man. So if you have time, though, and you've not listened to Rush Limbaugh, check him out because certainly it's worth listening to. Um, but I I love the fact that that Rush made. They think it, he's
3: a hater, though. You know
2: they do, <laughs> but but he's but he's not. And it's just as he said. You know, we 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 are. You know, the only country in the world whose founding documents have said life, liberty, pursuit of happiness—that everyone is entitled to that—and irrespective of what people want to want to talk about in 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 regards to american history the one thing that you cannot deny is uh, america's slow and steady move forward past slavery past jim crow i mean those those strides are not made um just because men get together and decide they want to change no no those things were ingrained and engrafted into the country at its founding and 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 provided the buoyancy necessary in order to keep the boat alive and afloat <laughs> to 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 get it to to a place where we could say okay fine we're done with that you know no more separate bathrooms no more separate water fountains we're going to start treating people as human beings yeah. and 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 so i i certainly you know i hope people will give Rush Limbaugh an opportunity because, because it's worth, it's like I said, it's worth hearing. Um, But also recognizing just as he said, you know, we have examples all around us of black success. Oh, yeah. So I think in the, in the, you know,
3: and black success in a time where no one would argue they were dealing with many more hurdles and obstacles than we are today.
2: Sure, 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 sure. I mean, nowadays, though, we're 13% of the population, but you certainly, overall in media in music in sports we are well represented in those things oh yeah i mean when you turn on your television you're going to see a commercial with a black person you're going to see a, a tv show with a black lead if not a, a full black cast Oh yeah! so I, I think overall you know we cannot make an honest we can't honestly stand and say america is racist and we don't get the same opportunities as everyone else because I think I think those of a different color of a different hue of a different background would look back and say well well, y'all 13 percent of the population you seem to be doing pretty well
3: and and in some places um, actually overrepresented disproportionately I mean when you look at and I'm going to say this when you look at the NFL NBA uh, everybody everybody sits back and uh, they talk well as sports Uh, There's a whole lot of humans, uh, male humans, uh, to be specific, who would really like to be a professional athlete in the major sports industries in this country. (laughs) There's a whole lot of practicing going on from whites, blacks, some Spanish. I don't know how many Asians, maybe some Asians in some places, people of mixed race. There are a lot of young men with dreams and aspirations of making it there because there is an opportunity, number one, to play a game they love. But number two, there's an opportunity to make more money than a large portion of the human population. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so there's a lot of people after that. But when you look at it, it is disproportionately black. I mean, we're talking about 60, 70 percent and we are there. Right And we are and, and I wanted to bring one particular uh, thing up, because you were talking about the, the opportunities that we have here. Um, and one of the things that came out um, from the World Bank, and they did a study on wealth in black America, uh, And America, black Americans' wealth, their gross domestic product, was so much that if Black America were a country, it would be the 15th wealthiest nation in the world. 15th wealthiest nation in the world.
2: I have two words for you though. What's that? Systemic racism.
4: <laughs>
3: Boom. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about $836 billion, right? And that would have put us, it put, that puts us right there above Indonesia and just a little bit below South Korea. But at the end of the day, irregardless of all of those statistics, what we're talking about is a massive amount of wealth and a massive amount of you're talking about GDP. You're talking about what we get paid from what we produce. So black people are getting paid this much for what we add to the uh, here in America and in this country. So we have to make sure that when we talk about some of the things like systemic racism, all of these barriers that are erected against you, all of these hurdles that are in this country. Somebody needs to explain being the fifteenth largest and richest nation on the face of the earth. Somebody is going to have to explain, just like Russell Limbaugh brings out to the Breakfast Club in the in the audio, and he says to them, "What about you guys? I mean, here you are, you're dominating morning drive, and in your spot, you are dominating it. And how did you become so uber successful?" And that's what needs to be being shared. So if you're going to tell me on the one hand, if you're if you're uber successful as a black person or you've moved forward as a black person and you're going to tell me, yeah, but there's so many hurdles and walls erected it's systemic and it's against black people. Well, evidently, you found a crack in the wall. Mm -hmm. You found a hole in the wall somewhere. So tell me how you found the hole in the wall. Now, I may not take the same route you took because my skill set may be different. But tell me what you did that I can take for myself, the universal traits that I can take for myself to get through these, quote unquote, barriers you say are erected here in America to black achievement and black forward advancement. Now, if you if you give me that, that's the story I think that needs to be uh, front and center. Not so much the barrier, because you can't really talk about the barrier anymore. You're on the other side. (laughs) Right. Once you get on the other side, everything's about. Guys, look where I found out how to get on the other side, right? That's right. what we would do, right. naturally speaking. That's logically speaking. But what we do is we have, and I'm sorry, uh, in, in the words of Bob Whitson, we have angry rich blacks <laughs> who get on the other side of these quote unquote systemic barriers and keep talking about the barrier to right. the rest of us. Right. And it's like, no, no, wrong message, sure. wrong message. Focus on empowerment. Focus on education and, and f- forget the barrier.
2: Yeah, because I think the World Bank stat, to me, what it what it tells us is that the impediments to success in America that uh, that black people are are, are claiming exist are, are largely artificial. Oh, That's yeah. what that stat says to me.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if we have I the mean, it's, 15th it's largest obvious. economy
2: in the world, it's black people honest. alone, then then I just posit this, that what, what would happen if we weren't if we weren't killing our babies at the rate that, that we're killing them? I mean, what kind of what kind of success could we could we enjoy Mm -hmm. if we weren't killing each other in the streets at the rate that we're killing each other? Um, There's a lot just just as you said, there's there's a lot that we can do um, internally to deal with our with our own pathology, our own culture that has nothing to do with white America or anyone else that we believe is discriminatory or um, anyone else that we think might hide some type of of bias.
3: Mhm. But all I'm saying is we we've got to change the emphasis. I can understand talking about things when there's been an act of injustice where a police officer like what we're we're dealing with right now where a police officer has senselessly and callously uh, contributed to the loss uh, of a man's life just unnecessarily and very cold. We can talk about that. But as far as the movement of our community forward right because this is going to be over soon after the funerals and the memorials and all of these things are going on and then we'll have probably some legislation and things done when it comes to police officers and reforming policing and looking at policing and looking at where we can change and dealing with the culture of the cops all of that's wonderful I'm for all of that 100 percent but what I'm for also 100 percent is for us to see a focus more or less upon the internal culture of black America and what we can do. And so that's one of the things that, like I said, man, you, you, you can't be holistic if you can't go both ways like that. I just don't, I don't see how you can.
2: Yeah. And I, and I, I would agree with you. I think that's, that's part of why a lot of this to me feels a bit like a setup. I think, you know, we've gotten to a point now where these riots, the, the chaos in the streets, um, it's almost like we're trying to browbeat people into submission. Mm. Um, and we, we want to provide for them a litany of, of charges to lay at their feet. People are like, well, I didn't do that. I mean, I understand that may have been your experience, but I personally didn't do that. And yet people are are taking things on and, and people are apologizing and and bowing down and asking for forgiveness. And I, you know, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. (laughs) It, It truly is. Um, but I think that I think that for us as Black people, our issues with with people outside of our race are largely negligible. In that, they can't prevent me from forward progress, mm. right? Yeah, you cannot like the color of my skin. You cannot hire me today, but that doesn't stop me from going out and applying for another job, That's or right. choosing to become an entrepreneur and saying, "I don't want to work for nobody. That's right. I'm gonna go do my own thing." So so for us as as African-Americans, I think that there comes a time for us truly, truly, truly to stop to stop trying to put some burden on other people to make us feel good about ourselves.
3: Mm. And really and truly the destiny of black people has never been about what whites choose to do or not do. It really hasn't. It's always been about what we choose to do or not do. Even though I know we have this tense history in our nation, and it is real, it is true, it is well documented, and it is absolute. But at the end of the day, at some point, you you can no longer you know, <laughs> you just have to be honest. This is not my great great grandfather's America. Right. It just isn't. It isn't, and it's and one of the things that that does concern me is how quickly sometimes we seem to want to hit rewind. Like we (laughs) want, it's almost as though this particular generation and culture, they're so blessed with so much. I mean, the poor in this country have two vehicles. Mm. The poor in this country have flat screen televisions. The poor in this country live in, in homes and in apartments and in places that have greater square footage than the average european of any class right and so we 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 have so much here that i think sometimes we overly respond to certain things because we need to feel a sense of purpose sure because the 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 amount of amenities and the amount of blessings and the amount of things we enjoy here today are things that really, it makes us feel sometimes a little out of touch, Mm -hmm. right? And we, we, uh, it kind of goes back to that old, uh, you know, the movie Crash many years ago, and it was a a movie kind of based around race and race relations. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines in the movie is that, you know, the guy says, I think it was Don Cheadle's character, talks about how sometimes I think we crash into into each other just to see how it feels or just to feel something, Right. right? And I think to some degree, there is a measure of truth that because i think sometimes we are not in every case but i think sometimes we we need to feel more because we're living in so much luxury i mean people are waking up every day and they spend their entire day scrolling on social media (laughs) i mean they spend their entire day able to hold long conversations and respond to comments and respond to likes and share this post and share that post and they do it all day long And now you're going to turn around and tell me about what barriers you face. Evidently, they're not too great because you found all this time. (laughs) You find all this time in your life to 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 post about what you ate, you know, (laughs) and and all of these different things. And it's like we really are living where to me in America sometimes. I am reminded of the kid who's got everything, wall to wall toys, toys in his room, and I say this a lot, but it's the truth. And he's got every game system and and every remote control car, and he's got all of this these things to play video games and all this stuff. And he's bored, and he's bored. He's become cloy, right? With his abundance, he sees all this, and he's bored. And so, what does he do? He does something stupid. And it's like, why did you do it, son? Well, I was just bored. How are you bored? You got toys from wall to wall. You got entertainment, wall to wall. Sure. And we are like that in America. In in so many cases, because we're sitting around here and sometimes our angst, our anger is artificial. <laughs> it is just as phony and and and, and uh what is it? Astroturf as can be. Just the truth.
2: Well, I, I want to kind of segue and play a video of, of Kiki Palmer. Of course, Kiki Palmer. You know, you probably know who I'm talking about. She's an actress. I think she also sings too. And right now, she's on uh, ABC Daytime. And yeah. I, mean, she I like Kiki. She was she was, be- the, yeah. she was yeah. in the she
3: uh, was in the was it the Spelling Bee movie or the uh, yeah uh, what Kila, was it called Kila, Kila and Bee. the Bee yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: So she was out at uh, a protest, and I just wanna I want to play this, and then we'll we'll come back and and, and talk about this interaction.
4: Saying once the looting starts, the shooting starts. You have a president talking about the Second Amendment as a use for people to come out here and use firearms against the people that are protesting. This is the messages that we're seeing. I don't know if you on social media because the news don't tell you everything. But you have to pay attention to what's going on or else we're gonna, we have a a president that's trying to incite a race war. And when the borders are closed, we can't leave. You have people in here that need your help. This is when you and y'all, y'all stand together with the community, with society to stop. The, to stop the governmental oppression. Period. I, I, I we need agree. you. So, well, so then march they? with yeah. us. March beside us. You, you get your people. No, Y'all no, march no. beside no. us. March beside us. Okay. March oh, yeah. beside us. Let the revolution be televised. March beside us mm-hmm. and, and show mm-hmm. us that you're here for us. Make yeah. history. Hey. Hey. history with us. Hey. Please. Hey. No, 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 let's just no, do no, it. March no. with us. We we'll start marching. You march with us, please. Do, do it. Just come on. So Can't leave this post. I will march through this street with you guys to that next intersection. I don't know. I will march it w- this intersection to that intersection, but I have to control this area. Control. control. What are you controlling? What is ahead. it to control, man? March with us. It was sent. It was sent. A huge message. I we just march, right just
2: march. Just march with us. My- so, national guardsmen are are on post to do their job, right? To serve their country. <laughs> Unfortunately, having to serve their country during during turmoil. Um, but they're having this. But they're there on post to to protect, and, and and to ensure some some level of civility remains, with all of these protests. And Miss Palmer says you need to march with us. You know, let the revolution be televised. And I'm I'm just concerned about young people. I really am. Because the the idea that there is a revolution afoot, I don't even understand where we what, what are we talking about?
3: What revolution? Because
2: I guarantee you the next workday you're going to be on ABC doing your thing. Yeah. So what revolution are we talking about? What But revolution? But, but I want to point out that there is a there is a tremendous amount of indoctrination going on with our young people. And, yes. and this is just one of many examples. And I told you the other day, I said, really, what they ought to be saying is let the indoctrination be televised. <laughs> because because we have seen it. Seriously, we have seen it on our televisions. We have seen it on social media. Um, but but the concern truly is just what exactly do you believe? What flashpoint in history do you believe that you're a part of? mm. And That's a I, good question. I, I don't, I guess I, I just don't understand the trajectory of, of the rioting of the chaos. You can say we're protesting police brutality. Um, but, but here's the deal. You're, you, none of us want to get rid of cops. No, none of us want to get rid of the national guard. Everyone enjoys being able to go home at night and feel some sense of security
3: well, I'm pretty sure when she gets ready to go to the lot to go on to her stage where they record her show, she probably sees, speaks to, or passes some form of security.
2: You're probably right.
3: Every single, every single time day. she goes. <laughs> and and it's like, you know, at the end of the day, um, that man, let's just speak to, to the actual audio, right, and what was happening there. First of all... I love you Kiki Palmer. I'm not no no problems with you. God bless you. But that man has a job and he has a job to do. And it's important that he does that job because Kiki, everybody out there is not you. That's right. Everybody out there is not out there to be peaceful. Everybody out there is not out there to make a statement and speak up and use their voice uh against injustice that man has a job to do and that's why i loved his response and the thing about it is people we've gotten so (laughs) we've gotten so full of ourselves now because only pride makes you this delusional that now a man actually saying that people will accuse him of being cold Mm. callous insensitive Why didn't he do it? This was an opportunity to really make a statement, because I have a job to do.
2: Because I took an oath. I can't just renege on that. I
3: I, I have a job to do. And if by chance he takes the stroll and goes the extra mile and something pops off in his section, nobody is going to find Kiki Palmer. And nobody's going to call her on the carpet about it. He is going to be the one that was responsible for leaving his post. Right. But nobody thinks about that. And nobody thinks about the fact, number two, that looting is not protesting. Right. Because she says something to the degree of, uh, of talking about the, when, the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts.
2: Well, she was referencing President President Trump. She was
3: referencing President Trump. But she says something to the effect of it being uh, that he's trying to incite a race war and that, you know, you out here, you know, doing this to your own people for protesting. No, if you're looting, you're not protesting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. I don't think the people I don't think the people in the back hurt me. If you're looting, you're not protesting. There is no voice in looting. It is called stealing, right? It's called victimizing innocent people. It's called taking something that isn't yours. It is not only a crime, but by a higher law, it is a sin. (laughs) Okay? Whether there is a protest going on or not, if you wouldn't pick it up in the store on a regular Monday, Don't pick it up in the midst of a protest. Right. (laughs) It does not give you any more leverage, any rights. And it is not protesting. I don't care what anybody says to me. I don't care what they what they say. You do not have the space, quote unquote, to be that angry.
2: Yeah. And I just I want to point our attention to something that the the exchange towards the end, which was him saying, look, you know, I'll walk the the block for you. But I got to stay, you know, in my area. Yeah. And how that wasn't enough. Oh, no. And I, and I want to make sure that everybody gets this, irrespective of whatever white America chooses to do, it will not be enough. Mm. And this will continue and it will continue until people get so tired of it that it's kind of like the boy that cried wolf. You know, eventually yeah. everybody's like, look, now we done got up three times and we tired of you. OK, if there's nothing serious going on, we about to go back to bed. And we we expect for you to keep quiet. Mm and i and i feel like for black america we're creating this idea that not only not only do i want you to attend to my grievances and my concerns but i want to dictate to you how the solutions will be meted out yeah in exact terms like no it's not enough for you to walk down the street with me i want you to walk the entire block and if you're not going to do that then then you ain't with us <laughs> well what do you want from me no. because no one no one can provide for you a complete uh response and and care package to to address all of your concerns because it's not within their wherewithal to be able to meet no all of the things that you think they should do. And so my concern as i said is that for us as black people we are setting ourselves up for t- to to truly be almost disregarded and disliked because we're we're trying to push on people, I think, in a way that is it's just heavy handed and there's no there's no need for it. There really isn't. There's no need for it. Protest. You're here. I'm here to protect you. That's what my job is today. I'm here to look out for you to keep things orderly. In other words, though, go on about your life. Do yeah. what you do. What you came here to do.
3: Yeah, because ultimately what we're protesting against is police brutality. Right. And the police brutality and the, the instance of police brutality, especially that kind of triggered all of this. And so we're talking about police brutality. We're not talking about trying to leverage this moment to then make white America correct any and every uh, little microaggression, <laughs> racial uh, tendency we think they may have, right? right? Because <laughs> now it, it, is, it is getting to the point where it's like, if you're white, you're guilty until proven innocent of race. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, it's as though you, you come, it's like racism comes standard in a white person like power windows and locks in a car. Mm-hmm. Right. And then until you prove me otherwise, I get to believe, you know, you talk about that's a form of black privilege. I get to believe you're racist, even if I'm wrong. Yes. And then the burden of proof is on you.
2: That's right.
3: Right. To prove that you're not.
2: But here are the seven steps in which you have to follow to prove that you're not.
3: Yeah. And I get to set the (laughs) whole agenda of it. And and that is the disaster of it, because see and see, this is the sneaky thing about human nature, because, you know, it I'm telling you, it's it's a dangerous thing when we get into emotion and we get into just being carnally minded. Right. Is because what you end up becoming is what you said you were fighting against. You end up becoming what you said you loathed. You end up becoming what you said is the barrier and the hurdle against you that is racial discrimination. And then you take leverage in a moment like this where people are compelled to ask for forgiveness, compelled to apologize, compelled to to do the right thing. In this particular instance, because of what everybody saw, we were in total agreement about, I mean, from police officers and, and, and police Precincts across the nation, what everybody saw happen to George Floyd, everybody agreed with. Sure. And if you disagree with it, it was probably some person on on the social social pariah on the peripheral of society. Mm-hmm. Somebody just wanting attention, right? But everybody agreed. What we saw was unnecessary and called for and it was very callous and cold. And and we want justice and everybody wants justice because we don't want to believe we live in an America where we would let that go. And and so since everyone was in agreement, it's as though at the same time, it's like, is nobody acknowledging the agreement that was already there prior to protest? Sure. Right? That it was there. And now we're seeing it spill over into the NFL, the NBA, over into business, over into every other sphere of influence and every other institution. And people are leveraging this moment. And you're becoming what you said you hated. Oh, absolutely. Because you're tu- you're just flipping it over and you're, you're, you're using this moment as privilege. I mean, lawsuits are being filed <laughs> by black actors and actresses over certain things. And everybody's just doing things that I think are are just out of bounds. And we're sitting up here demanding of people. And if you're silent, then you're part of the problem. Well, maybe they're silent because you know what? They ain't got nothing to prove to nobody. <laughs> right? I mean, you got you've got, babe, you've got white people married to black people, raising black children, having black grandbabies, talking about how they have white privilege and they apologize and what? I know. What? I I don't I I'm I'm serious. It is it is some of the most mind-numbing behavior but it's i have ever seen
2: it's not going to end well for us as black people because truthfully you you're just you don't get anything out of trying to memorialize and create an alibi that will last forever (laughs) like you know you want you want an invincible alibi that never dies Mm. So that your Whoa, your lack man, of that's heavy. your lack of success, <laughs> oh, that's heavy. your lack of achievement oh. in the in the classroom or in a marriage relationship or in a business, mm. um, or anywhere, it is completely absolved by you saying the white man did it. Yeah, S- systemic racism.
0: Yeah,
2: you never wanted me to get you never wanted me to get ahead. I mean, how many times do we have to do this? How many times do we have to protest? But yeah. it, but it's not about that. The solutions that we're looking for are solutions that happen in homes. Yes. One family at a time. Not one revolution at a time. Not 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 one one Twitter feed at a time. But one family at a time. People choosing to stay together. People choosing to find a job and keep that job until they get the next job that they want. And people saying, you know what, education actually is important. No doubt. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to push my children to understand the value of the education that they're that they're receiving, and then I, as a parent, I'm also going to take responsibility to ensure that they get the highest quality education that we can provide.
3: Sure. So,
2: yeah. so just by and large, we we have to begin to look intrinsically at what's going on in the black family and in the black community because it's not it has nothing to do with the boogeyman of race mm. or discrimination. It it doesn't.
3: It doesn't. And and not only you know I go back to something that was said in the in the piece where she was talking about let the let the revolution be televised because she was like let's just do this out here but the revolution there's the truth to that statement the revolution will not be televised if there is a revolution <laughs> right if if in Black America we have a true renaissance and revolution for the masses of of Black the Black community uh, and not just a a few uh, successful people here and there, but we move forward as a community and start to see the things that we, we desire to see. Um, It won't be televised cause it's going to be the things that will not get media attention. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the things that you just talked about It's going to be things that nobody wants to, t- nobody wants to see, nobody wants to talk about. And sometimes things that we as black people don't even want to see. We want to talk about, we want to talk about certain things. But it's going to be, as you said, a return of fathers back to their homes, back to their children, back to family, back to all of the things you just listed. And that will indeed create the revolution and it will begin to create the wealth Mm -hmm. that we say we so desire on top of what we've already done. Because I just told you what we're doing. And this is why so much of this begins to ring hollow. Not what happened to George Floyd. That is concrete and solid. And, and we all stand on the same side of the demand for justice in that. But it rings hollow when we've tried to use this as leverage for other areas, because truly, as black people, we are doing better. And this is not I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not. If it wasn't for covid-19, we would really be looking silly because <laughs> because before all of the coronavirus and all this stuff started happening, the statistics for us as black people were at record lows in unemployment. Our wages were rising. People were, people were happy with what was going on in their everyday life. They could sit there and act like they were, just couldn't stand the president and all this different stuff, but at the end of the day in their life, their life was moving. Life was good. Life was going. And so we have to recognize that, just like you said, we've got to focus on intrinsically on our culture, what we do ourselves. And not just and not just using all of our energy to get out in the street.
2: I want to I want to read something if you'll indulge me for a minute. This yeah. is this is out of Jason Riley's book. Uh, it's titled Please Stop Helping Us. Uh, how liberals make it harder for blacks to succeed. Hmm. Um, and I thought this was was interesting and, and a sobering, I think, look at at exactly what needs to happen Uh, for black people. So it says, uh, education is not the only area where an oppositional black mindset has been detrimental to social and economic progress. Black culture attitudes toward work, authority, dress, sex, and violence have also proven counterproductive, inhibiting the development of the kind of human capital that has led to socioeconomic advancement for other groups. But it's hard to see how blacks will improve their lot without changing their attitudes toward school. A culture that takes pride in ignorance and mocks learnedness has a dim future. And those who attempt to make excuses for black social pathology rather than condemning these behaviors in no uncertain terms are part of the problem. The middle class values by which we middle class blacks were raised, the work ethic, the importance of education, the value of property ownership, of respectability, of getting ahead, of stable family life, of initiative, of self-reliance, etc.— are in themselves raceless and even assimilationist so mm. we as black people have some real work to do but the work is not something that we've not done before it's fully possible oh yeah because we've been there done that and got the t-shirt yeah i'm not exactly sure why we why we got off the right path but we have to return to those simple principles yeah. We, we have to learn what it is to respect one another. We, have we can't do that when we're rapping B, Ho, all that other stuff Come on. in every song that we listen Come to. Come on. And glorifying those individuals as though what they bring to black culture is, is so worthy that, that, that Michael Eric Dyson has to write books on Jay-Z and Nas. OK, no, we're not we're not going to set up memoriams to those types of 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 attitudes, behaviors and constructs for black for black thought and black life. No,
3: that's right. we're
2: going to wholly reject that and we're going to get back to the idea of serving God, serving each other, being family oriented and centered in right. what we do, loving one spouse at a time, at least
0: yeah i'm just i'm just saying one one spouse at a time Yeah, that would would be important
2: raising our children getting jobs keeping those jobs and waiting to have kids until after we've solidified those relationships and those jobs so that when we bring our kids into the world we know that at least for uh, the short term there's stability surrounding them Mm -hmm. right now there's chances for the bottom to fall out for everybody but we want to at least provide a, a foundation for success that hopefully will grow and mature as time goes on.
3: And, you know, and, and that's the thing that I, I go back to and something with, that you read uh, from the book and what you're explaining right now. All of those things you just talked about are raceless.
2: Totally. Racist. They have they
3: have nothing. That, and, and this no. is one of the things that that I, I, I so I really don't have a righteous indignation about. And I hate it because the way we break off into our group identity, right, and we identify as a group, it blinds us to principles that have no race whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? It, it blinds us because we see everything through, is that black? Right. Like speaking the English language is not black, white, or anything. Right. It is the English language. It is spoken correctly and incorrectly. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's it, right? That, that That's all there is. And so these raceless, cultureless principles that must be imbibed and must be executed uh, are the things that make groups rise. And it doesn't matter who you are. They spend. It's like having a universal currency. Those things you talked about. They spend no matter who you are, no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're going to have personal responsibility, be centered in family understand the importance of an education, understand the importance of of self-respect and keeping yourself and understanding uh, how to achieve a particular goal and not being distracted by a lot of things you want to go just wild out and do. When you learn those things, having a work ethic, those have nothing to do with the color of skin. And when we sit here and we have a culture that marginalizes those things, Mm. we're in trouble. Because, you know, There is a way that works and there is a way that doesn't. That's right. And basically that's it, man. There is a way that works. Doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, where you came from, where you started at. Mm -hmm. There is a way that works and a way that doesn't. And we
2: have to think about, you know, the images that we put before black people, on a, on a regular basis, like I said, whether it's, whether it's the the music videos that we watch or the movies mm. that we saddle up to watch. Yeah. I mean, the the things that we engage our minds in to, to, to model ourselves after. And
3: and it's the things that we, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but, uh, but I want to get this thought before I I don't want to lose it, but it's those things that we watch and that we take in that we consider to be indicators of black culture. Mm-hmm. Right? It's one thing to sit up and watch misogyny. It's one thing to listen to misogyny and watch it. To to watch women being hypersexualized, to watch men be be prone to playing roles of a drug dealer or or some type of black market activity. Right? It's one thing to watch those things as entertainment, but it's another thing to watch those things with this internal psychology that supports that perhaps that is authentically a part of your identity and race, right. right? Like it's culturally relevant to you. Right. Why is that? You know, and see, that's the dangerous part. It's not just that I watch it because you can watch it. You know, look, I, I watch The Godfather, but I am not a part of the mob. Mm-hmm. And the mob is not, you know, it's, it. I don't identify with it. Now, if you're Italian and you grew up that way, you might identify with that. But what I'm saying is we have to be very cautious of what we choose to say we identify ourselves with and by. you know. And that's the danger of it all.
2: It is. And, and I was just going to say that rem- we also have to remember that we can talk about change and all the things that we want to see happen. But ultimately, just as we talked a few minutes ago um, if people are not equipped to take advantage of opportunity, then it's no opportunity it's, to them it's at no all opportunity to them at it all. Do, it do, for them. That's it does right. not exist, which is why you have young people out there in the streets protesting, rioting, looting, because for them, there's a complete and abject hopelessness mm-hmm. that is everywhere and in everything. Now, the people in Hollywood, the people who are living large on radio every day or or doing their thing in movies or in music, Mm -hmm. even though they want to get on Twitter or wherever else and and encourage people to go out there and continue to protest, at the end of the day, they're not impeded by what goes on in those neighborhoods. It's the people who live there, who are lower class, who don't have the means to just simply rebuild, don't have the means to simply relocate that are now having to look around the ruins that was supposedly for justice. Yeah, And so I, I wanna make sure that people, that people recognize that a lot of what we see out there is the picture of fatherlessness in the black community. And not no only that, but it's, it. a, it's the, the plaguing sense and inevitability that they are not ready for the world, mm. that they don't know their place in it. And a lot of that happens because they don't have an education. Black, black children, just by and large, are not receiving the level of education and instruction necessary, mm. necessary to be successful, yeah. by and large. Yeah. Because they're in poor, dilapidated schools. Yeah. They're, they're, they have the worst teachers, right? Yeah. And then couple that with parents who aren't engaged, or don't have enough time to be engaged because they're working two or three jobs to try to keep food on the table. Hmm. So we have a real we have a real issue. And and I would like for black people to use some of that energy that that we're that we're using to yeah. to to move policing to whatever level of of eat soft on crime that we think we need <laughs> to have because it's basically what it amounts to. Oh
3: uh, god, I, they don't need to be soft on crime. Though. But
2: but that's basically what it amounts to. I mean, if I'm yeah. going to second guess every single thing, that 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 officers do you create an environment in which officers stop doing
3: but we're going to know after this is all over though we're going to find out absolutely because if crime starts spiking in places we're going to find out uh because because i can i can tell you that people are they truly are as as police officers you can't create a world in which they have to sit there and think a thousand things before they make an act or, or act on something Right. In the midst of uh, what could be a volatile or violent situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like you said, they are creating hesitation in our police force. Now, I'm for reform, but I'm not for anything that's going to prevent policemen from doing their job effectively. Sure. Uh, now, I believe removing rotten apples doesn't bother that it actually helps it. Right. Yeah. So getting getting absolutely. weeding out the bad ones is, is a good thing. That's to probably do. the most
2: immediate thing yeah. that you can do. Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> You can start going through that precinct and going through the ranks, and you and, and they know, sure. they know, sure. right? <laughs> they know, and so in and, and getting the malaise and the and the and the callousness out of there. But at the end of the day, we don't want to tie our policemen's hands around their behind their backs, because I'm telling you, of all communities that need police, Talk it is it. the poor and the black communities. Talk about it, right? And and I say poor and black because not all I'm not just talking about black communities. I'm talking about all of these impoverished communities who, who are who are dealing with the drugs and the violence and the domestic violence and abuse and guns and all these different things. They need the police more than anybody. Right. And we have to we have to take responsibility, man. The way this has been handled, it is as though George Floyd was just swallowed up. I think so. A victim I of a so. senseless act. I mean, and here we had a moment of solidarity across the board and we have swallowed it up and co-opted it for our own means, which to me speaks to, to a certain degree, a certain portion of black America. Your outrage was fake. Hmm. Yeah. Cause you went, yeah, no, nah, you, you saw opportunity, right? right? <laughs> and you out here inciting all this stuff. no, we, we got to be serious. We got to be serious about this. And this man's life deserved a much more sober, a much more collected, and much more uh, intelligent and heartfelt memorial sure. to deal with this issue. Sure. If this was the linchpin everybody's saying it is, then how did it turn into all of this? Hmm. Because a lot of people have got their little egos and their agendas out there. And they're trying to get something for themselves. It's not about George Floyd. It ain't about justice. They're going to go on and do the things they want to do because they know it's not always about justice because they know in many of these black communities that are poor, many of the murders and homicides that blacks have committed against one another in these communities, a good portion of them are still unsolved. Yes. And nobody likes to talk about that. Hmm. I think at one point in Chicago, I don't know if the statistics still holds, but at one point in Chicago, upwards of 70 or 75% of those homicides were unsolved.
2: Well, it kind of reminds me of a sign that some black gentlemen were holding. It said black lives matter uh, unless those black lives were taken by a black person. Yeah. You know, I and mean, that's you, unfortunate. But,
3: but what I'm saying, we're talking about justice, right? We're talking about justice. And you mean to tell me we've got our, our baby's blood being spilled in the streets of these inner cities. Mm. And people are still running around free. And people swear up and down. Well, if a black killer black, that black person is going to get locked up. No. No. That's not the reality. Not the reality. It's not the truth. We
2: don't, we don't <laughs> it, demand it, it. We don't get on social exactly. media. Exactly.
3: There is no Twitter storm. Twitter storm. There is no hashtag grassroots activism. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody's hashtag. Stop killing our kids. Mm-hmm. Start catching the people who do it. <laughs> there, there, I mean, nobody's saying anything. And I don't know how how anything could be more psychologically debilitating than to feel as though justice for your baby is not important. Right? Right. 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 Cause we wouldn't, we wouldn't act that way about this, about what happened to George Floyd. Rightfully so. But what I'm saying is we've got all our attention here and there are, there are black children, black babies. I, I was looking at the, what happened over the Memorial Day weekend in Chicago, where they had the 49 shootings and then another 23 I think that next that following Tuesday or whatever or Monday or something and uh, one of the actual victims of the shooting was a five-year-old baby girl Mm -hmm. right five years old and we're we're sitting up here and we're 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 feigning all this outrage but the real work the good work the righteous work that will bear the fruit that remains is the stuff that we're overlooking so in essence we gag at the gnat but we swallow the whole camel.
2: Yeah. I want to just read this last quote and then I'll, I'll be quiet and let you wrap up the show. But uh, this was W.E.B. Du Bois. And he says a little less complaint and whining and a little more dogged work and manly striving would do us more credit than a thousand civil rights bills. I'm going to read that again. A little less complaint and whining mm-hmm. and a little more dogged work and manly striving would do us more credit than a thousand civil rights bills.
3: And not only is that true, it's already been proven. (laughs) It's already been proven throughout the history of black people in this country. But that concludes another podcast of Culture and Convictions. Listen, like and share comment on these particular podcasts. Show them with family, friends that you believe are interested in this type of dialogue. Um, We are trying to get the word out there. We have to have these types of conversations and we have to talk about things in a holistic fashion. Look, we going are the days when we can afford to walk around here and be so thin-skinned, we cannot talk about things openly, honestly, and with personal respect for each other, even if we have opposing viewpoints. And so here on Culture and Convictions, my wife and I, we're going to talk about things and we're going to talk about them from our perspective, and we wholeheartedly welcome yours. Thank you once again for listening. Until next time, God bless.